My guest today on Mission Impact is Doug Spencer. Doug and I could talk messaging for nonprofits, why it's so much more than branding, and branding is so much more than just a logo, and why it's so important to help everyone in your nonprofit get on board with a clear message that everyone can understand. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. Welcome, Doug. It's great to have you on the podcast. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. So I like to start with asking the question of what drew you to the work that you do? What what motivates you and what would you describe as your why? Yeah, okay, well, um, let's see. It's kind of convoluted. It's not as easy as, oh, I woke up one morning when I was a child and I knew that I had to do a, B, or C. So, um, but I, you know, I will start there. Um, my parents were volunteers. They just volunteered at different organizations, and so they set a really good example for me um, that way. And uh, and and I did that throughout high school and college, and after that. And I've always been a volunteer, at least in organizations that I cared about. Um, I did work in nonprofit for a while, but then I got sucked into the for-profit sector and uh, worked there for many years, And but continued to continue to volunteer. I served on the board of directors of a um, $100 million health center and uh, even was its board chair for a while. So I, I continued to doing that. But after a while, I left my corporate job. I started working on my own, doing branding. And uh, really, it was last year in the heart of the pandemic where I took a step back and thought, all right, what am I doing? What do I really want to do? And it was then that we made a shift to focus exclusively on mission-driven organizations. So mostly not-for-profits, but also um, social enterprises, the organizations that are trying to solve some sort of societal challenge um, and, uh, and and are focused on doing that. There's on the environment, um, there's, you know, education, there's, it's there, there's some really great folks doing some great work in pretty much all, uh, all areas. And so, yeah, that's why I've uh, shifted to mission-driven organizations. Uh, I, there's a lot of things I can't do, but um, such as, you know, I can't, um, take care of kids who have been abused. I can't um, work in biotech. I can't do a lot of things, but I can help them. I can help the people who do. I can help them talk about their work and get their message out there so that more people join them um, on their missions. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't do anyone any good if the organization is hidden and no one knows the good work that they're doing. Um, it's interesting. I'm thinking about my career and I've, I've been in the sector for, for most of my career. And, you know, if you if you had talked to an organization about branding when I first started, it was kind of a dirty word. Mm. Um, you know, branding, marketing, all of those things uh, kind of were. Oh, that's what that's what those for profit people do. I think that's changed a lot in the in the number of years Bye. that I've been in the sector. Um, but still, you know, it can be somewhat neglected or siloed in kind of the fundraising arm or the marketing sure. arm, the communications arm of the, of the organization. Why would you say that it's really important for organizations to kind of get get those messages, get get those messages really integrated through the whole organization? 
Sure. Uh, well, there's many reasons for that. Um, one of which is consistency. In order for any message to uh, take hold, and when I think of branding, by the way, I really think of strategic messaging. Uh, people sometimes think logo when they think branding, but that's just one tiny element of it. So it's really about how you think about your organization, how you think about the relationships you have with all the people, all the people most important to your success, and then how do you talk to them? And when I say all the people important to your success, that's kind of where I think your question's going. Um, you know, that starts with employees. Um, I wrote a little book a few years ago about branding, and this, the first chapter is all about employees, because if your employees don't understand what you're really about, if they can't talk about it in a way that gets other people excited, then wow, you're walking away from a whole lot of great connections, a whole lot of great energy, a whole lot of great information, because you know communication is, is two ways. But, but so, so it's important that everybody understand the message for consistency, but also so they can do their jobs better, so they can feel more connected to the organization. Um, so that if you're a volunteer, you can't stop talking about it. And more importantly, you can't stop talking about it correctly. And if you don't have that focus on messaging in the very beginning, people are gonna go out in, the, go out, uh, in their daily lives and they're gonna say whatever they think is right and sometimes it is, but a lot of the times it's not. So that's why messaging is so important that everyone has to understand it and everyone has to feel it. They have to really feel it and get yeah, excited about it. Yeah, oftentimes you think about board members or, or board members are, are really um, encouraged to be kind of ambassadors to for the organization. But you make a great point about all those people who are working there, all the folks who are volunteering, it may not be at the board level, it may be in a lot of different aspects of the organization, um, but any of those folks, any of those stakeholders only kind of, you know, right. sees the elephant from whatever position they're in, right? So they may just get a kind of a, a bit of the puzzle and right. not the whole thing. How do you help organizations go about that and kind of get everyone on message? Well, the first, uh, the first way to do that is involve them, involve everyone in the development of the message. Or if it's not development, it, at least it's the uh, fine tuning or validate or validation of the message. So we have a process that is uh, really research heavy. We, we focus a lot on research, both qualitative and quantitative, and you bring people into that process to make them feel heard uh, because they do need to be heard. And you're, if you don't, get input from all the people most important to your success, then wow, you're not doing your job right. Uh, not, I'm sorry to be blunt, but that's just the way it is. You've got to get everyone involved. And just that first step does help build that momentum and build that excitement. And then the end product ideally will have some reflection of what all of those folks have said and input. And input. You know, obviously you're not going to just automatically do or say whatever everybody says, but you know, it's, a, it's the totality of everything they say. So if you do it right, they're gonna see a little bit of themselves in there. They're gonna see a little bit about the part of the organization that, um, that they um, know and love. Um, when I was working in the for-profit sector, and that's the other reason, just um, not to be completely stream of consciousness, but that's the other reason that I like what I'm doing now, because when I was working in the for-profit sector, 
I got a ton of great experience that the nonprofit sector just isn't seeing. There's approaches in this way just think about that really can benefit the nonprofit sector. So I'm, I'm excited to share that where it's appropriate for other organizations. But where I was going in, in, <laughs> before I interrupted myself, right? Uh, where I was going, where I was going was that I had a client when I was working with for-profit companies, and he said to me, um, "If I asked every one of my partners what we do, every one of them would come up with a different description." And I worked with Harvard Medical School in one of their their divisions, and their executive director had the exact same problem. All the leaders of her different programs would only talk about the entirety in the perspective of what they did for it, never in how that all adds up to be the organization's true message. So if you get people involved and get them to see how they connect to the greater uh, picture, the greater mission, then you know they're going to be all that much more excited. And that, that to be process part of, it. of research is a, very similar to you know when you were starting out with a strategic plan, and and um, the the other thing that that brings me to, brings to mind is that there's the input process and kind of coming to some conclusion around what are your strategic messages, but through that process, um, you're also shifting people's perspective and almost going through an education process with them as they talk to other people in the organization and see see the other sides of things. And then how does it, as you're saying, how does it add up to the totality? Right, right. And, and that totality that if you want to call it your mission, you want to call it your why statement, whatever you want to call it, you know, that brings people together and that can actually help uh, come to life in many other ways. So for example, sometimes there's a lot less bickering in an organization because everyone understands, okay, what they're really there to accomplish. They may all have different approaches to get the organization there or more different contributions rather, but they all agree on the end goal. And a lot of organizations aren't operating with that. They're just operating little silos um, because they think it's more efficient or it's just really, Oh, it's just really icky to have to talk to somebody and and really hear them out and feel what they're saying. And when you just want to focus on your own stuff, but um, yeah, it's the the mission. And you know, given the name of your your podcast, Mission Impact, it's gotta the mission's gotta be what drives you, and your mission's gotta be what drives your message too. So oftentimes, uh, an organization's messaging doesn't keep up with how they've evolved. Um, why would you say this happens and, and how how can you kind of what how can what can organizations do to make sure that those two things match? Okay. Oh gosh, yeah. This is something that everybody everybody struggles with from from time to time. And uh, there are three main reasons I see why organizations mis uh, messages kind of fall out of line. Um, the first is we forget what we know that nobody else knows. And we do our jobs day in and day out. We live, breathe them, think about them, wake up in the middle of the night thinking about them. And that's what makes us really good at it. But what we also forget is that not everybody has that level of detail. And so sometimes we go about talking about what we do as if we're explaining um, a Netflix uh, show to someone who's only seen season one. And so you know, we forget what we know and nobody else does. So that's the first one. The second one is that um, we all have to change a little bit here and there. I mean, um, you know, life comes at us and throws us things that we have to adopt to. Um, global pandemic, you know, 
um, uh, anyone. So a little change here and a little change there is probably not that bad and you something you need to do, but your message probably doesn't change along with it. And then the third reason I see is what I call the squeaky wheel syndrome, especially with organizations that are lean and, you know, are running uh, all hands on deck. You know, these squeaky wheels come up and you have to pay attention to them, but sometimes it's at the expense of the entire machine. So what that leads to is over time, sometimes a convoluted, a confusing and just basically inaccurate message because you've been going slightly different direction all of a sudden, and then bam, um, your message hasn't changed and it's still pointing backwards. So those are the three reasons I think that organizations message gets out of sync um, over time. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I, as you're talking about kind of those different silos of people not knowing, or they've, they've forgotten what, you know, they're, they're so in the details of, you know, episode 22, season three, and they forget the whole kind of long storyline. Um, it seems to me that processes like you lead groups through and and the kind of work that I do where where they're doing strategic planning and kind of, again, always taking a step back, bringing a larger group of people, cross-functional group of people together to think through these things. Um, It, you know, it helps people kind of reconnect with the why of the organization, uh, whether it's through messaging, whether it's through setting priorities, um, and helps them get a better understanding of what everybody else does in the organization. You know, oftentimes I'll have board members who've just started and they think, well, I can't contribute anything to this strategic planning process or a messaging process. But, you know, they do contribute something in that, one, they're bringing a new perspective, and two, the whole process, they're going to they're gonna be so much further up to speed on the organization than if they had gone to an equivalent number of board meetings. So there's, there's all sorts of other right. kind of benefits uh, from these processes than just the product at the end, the kind of ripple effects in the right. organization. Right. right. And one of the things that I think is one of those benefits is focus. So when you step back and really think about your messaging framework, right, what are the things that we are known for or want to be known for? What are the things that we contribute to the world that nobody else does exactly the same way? And if you come up with three to four of those and you know a new idea comes along, someone says, oh, you know, we should totally do this or we should totally do like an adopt a highway program like we do, but for, for, uh, but for rabbits, um, then you say, okay, well, does that fit into any of the predetermined categories of what we've claimed we do best? And if it doesn't, then you don't do it. And that helps you, that helps you stay focused. So you put a line in the sand and say, okay, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how we talk about it. And anything else, you just have to politely say, sorry, we can't do that. Or, uh, or obviously better option would be to point them to someone who does, you know, not just leave them, leave them hanging, but, you know, help them somehow, but don't take that on if it's not who so you are. So what are some ways that organizations, uh, what are some steps that they can take to um, get clear about their messaging? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first is, as I alluded to earlier, is do some research. You got to ask questions. You got to ask questions of all the people who are important to your success. Again, your employees, your volunteers, the people you serve, the people who fund you, um, the people who used to be on your board and are on your board, or uh, obviously not everyone, but you have to have a reputation, a representation from everybody that 
has some sort of a stake or something to a point of view that has value. You have to ask questions and some of them have to be kind of tough. You know, um, do you think do you have confidence in the executive director? Do you think the organization is prepared to meet the needs of the community in five years? Um, do you think they do the work better than and then list in some other organization? So you have to do that work. You have to understand. And the other thing that a lot of organizations don't do that I think is really important is take a look at their competitors. And when I say competitors, I know a lot of people go, Ugh, competitors, no, we don't have those, that's for-profit. But no, you're competing for the time, talent, and treasures of a whole lot of other folks. So, you know, if who else, who else is going to that um, foundation and applying for the same grant you are? Who else is looking for individual uh, donors in say the art space, if that's where you're in, or social justice space, if that's where you're in? So you've got to look at what they're doing, what they're saying, and then find a way to authentically position yourselves relevant, or uh, relative rather, to those other voices. Because those voices are out there and you are competing with them for people's time. Yeah, and I and think treasure. people only think about competitors as those direct ones. So, an, a, you know, an arts organization to an arts organization. Right. And but if you're a local, a local organization, you're competing with all the organizations that are that are trying to get donor, you know, donations from local folks. So right. uh, sometimes you have to think kind of. Right. You know, there may not be some someone who does exactly what you do in your locality, but your that competition may be may be slightly different. Right, and it goes back to your absolutely. It goes back to thinking about those people who are most important to your success. You got to get in their heads. Who is it that they work with? So, if you are talking to corporate foundations or you are talking to some sort of uh, major donor. Who else are they supporting? You've got to get a sense of where their attention spans are pointing and then think about how you fit into that. And it's got to be authentic, as I as I suggested. I can't, you just can't, you know, you can't be that car salesman that is all things to all people. You've got to find your authentic voice and speak that in a way that connects with um, those people in a way that everyone else doesn't. So what gets in the way? Mm-hmm. What gets in the way? Well, uh, you know, like I said, you know, just the day-to-day -day work. People are busy, especially at not-for-profits, because they tend to have very lean staffs, and sometimes they tend to, and not sometimes, and they tend to work with some some really life and death situations. And so, if you have to balance getting people into um, housing for the for the night versus you know, having a conversation with people that might donate, you know, it's, you, you gotta, you gotta balance. And so the day-to-day -day really gets in trouble, gets you in trouble sometimes, but you know, you've got to find that balance. That's just part of the job. Um, I had a, a boss that used to, uh, she used to always say to us, um, oh yeah, you just got to put on your big boy pants and do it. <laughs> and, you know, gender aside, I just like the image of that. But um, anyway, that's part of the job. And you've got to stay, you've got to have, you got to do everything, um, unfortunately. So, you know, just the day to day really does it. The other thing is, it's not fun, necessarily, the pre work. It's almost like some people have fashioned it like going into <laughs> therapy. And you know, who wants to do that? Uh, and I, people joke that I'm some, sometimes I'm kind of a therapist, which I am so not because I'm so not qualified, but I ask a lot of questions and I listen. So, you know, I guess there is a parallel, 
but it's not always fun to really do that soul searching, even if it's not about you personally, but it's about the organization that you love and breathe that you are, that's so important to you. That soul searching can be uncomfortable. And then of course, change is uncomfortable too for a lot of people if they don't know, if they're not initiating it. Like you and I have had conversations and you brought up the great point that uh, change is great for the people who are initiating it. It's everybody else that gets uh, gets a little weirded out about it. So, you know, those are some of the reasons, those are some of the things that get in the way, I think, of people staying on top of their message and uh, really embracing it and using it as a way to further their and work. And I love your point about, um, you know, especially organizations that are in a direct service where, you know, whether they get get food to people or housing or all, all the things um, that day, the immediate needs that are right on their doorstep, they need to deal with them. And I guess, um, you know, as and, and other organizations that are that are working on issues that that can feel like that, too, even though they may not have the the, the one person at their doorstep. Um, and yet, if you can kind of take the perspective of we're going to do a better job of serving all those people if we're able to connect with other people who will support mm-hmm. us, you know, and 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 not have it be kind of a comp- you know, a competitive thing within the organization of of competing priorities to say that no, we need to do both because um, you know that little bit of time that we're taking or that amount of time that we're taking to get clearer about all these things is going to serve us in the long run. It may be that not be that that immediate gratification of, of helping somebody right there, but over right. the, over time it will it will help them help a greater number of people. It's that it's another variation on that classic um, river um, metaphor, right? If you're busy pulling people out of the river one after another to keep them from drowning, you don't have time to go um, upstream, downstream, upstream, and figure out why these people are getting in the river in the first place. So it's just another version of that that metaphor. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. So um, on every episode, I like to play a game where I ask one random icebreaker question. So one for you is, what is something you think everybody should do at least once in their lives? Oh, gosh, that's easy. And I say this all the time. And that is get into some (laughs) therapy. Talk to a therapist. Oh, my God. You know, you don't. You don't, and nor should you be in therapy forever, in my humble opinion. But again, what do I know? But oh my gosh, our world is so complicated, and the pressures that we put ourselves in, and the world changes so fast. And our parents always do the best they can, but you know what? That doesn't mean that uh, everything was right. So you got to talk to somebody else once in a while, at least once, and just help them, help them, help them help you sort things out in your head. Um, so that you you can get a better grip on how to be your best self and how to live your best life. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've often joked with my daughter. I was like, "Well, I'm just I'm just helping out your future therapist." <laughs> <laughs> well, what right. are you excited about? What's kind of coming up next for you and emerging in your work? Yeah, what's exciting? Well, um, I'm just exciting that uh, excited rather that. 
we are very slowly, more slowly than we should, but more slowly getting a hold of uh, the pandemic and starting to move forward and at least starting to feel uh, more of a comfort level with it. So I think, um, you know, so we're talking now in August. Um, I don't know when you're going to win this will air, but in August, we're, I think we're, you've got the Delta variant going on, but I think that people are bracing themselves for another fall or winter, but it's not going to be as awful as it had been. And so I'm looking forward to ideally not having that happen. But if, even if it does, I think it's going to be better than 2020. But I do see the world opening up. I'm really excited. I know this is uh, probably inappropriate to go uh, get all political, but I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with the infrastructure bill that seems to be going on. I think there's some real um, incredible opportunities that are going to come from that. And so I'm really eager to see what that has and how that benefits the people that are doing the kind of work that we support right because it's not in a vacuum you know the infrastructure isn't just something that's over there the infrastructure is something that impacts everybody and how they do their jobs and how they service the people they serve and how and, and you know the environment is a perfect example of that um so i'm really excited about that and uh, am uh, and sending positive vibes to washington that they don't screw it up and that it actually yeah, happens. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly long overdue. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was great Thanks. having you on the podcast. This is fun. I'll, uh, we should do it again. And, and, you know, you've been on mine and I appreciate your time on my podcast. And uh, yeah, happy to All do right. it anytime. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I appreciated what Doug said about stepping back and helping people understand the bigger picture of the story of your nonprofit. It's too easy when you're so familiar with things to start with all the details. As he said, assuming that your audience is in the middle of the season that you've been binging with you instead of setting the scene and giving the big headline. The tagline that folks will really be able to remember. Not getting lost in the weeds and the details and how to connect with what the person you're speaking with really cares about. Not to fundamentally change your mission, but to find that point of connection to help pull that person in and help them relate to what you're describing. Getting into their shoes and seeing it from their perspective. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to connect with Doug, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show, in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. Thank you to Nora Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Kuster for her production support. If you enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you would share it with a colleague or friend. Send them a link to the episode, and we really appreciate you helping us get the word out.